Hi, and welcome to the Church Unlimited podcast. Church Unlimited is a vibrant, Bible-based church in North Lakes, Queensland, that is passionate about helping people discover the genuine love of Jesus. If you're currently looking for a home church, we would love for you to join us for Sunday worship. For more information about our Sunday service or to find out how we can best help you, head to our website at churchunlimited.com.au. We hope you enjoy this message from Sunday service. Hey, 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 Church Unlimited, can we give Jesus some praise in this room? Come on, magnify His name. One more second. Come on. Amen and amen. Why don't you slap a high five with three people, grab a seat, shout booyah or something as you slap a high five. Thank you, praise and worship team. Good job. Great job. Good morning. How are you all? Are you well? I said, are you well? It is an honor to be here at Church Unlimited on Pentecost Sunday. This is a very, very significant day. What a tremendous blessing it is to be here. Uh, I arrived yesterday afternoon. We've spent some time with your business community. Last night had a splendid dinner. That, By the way, I just want to uh, make sure I get Pastor James's back because he made a few jokes about, you know, his wife getting injured, him having to do cooking and cleaning and things like that. Pastor James cooked dinner for the church board last night. So he's not a misogynist, ladies. You can just calm down. That was just genuine joking. But we had a, we had a lovely dinner with the church board last night. Uh, great services today. And I honestly just feel so blessed to be here at such a vibrant, healthy, spiritually alive vision-filled church that is truly on the move. I tell you what, yesterday we got with the business community and Pastor James just stood up here and he began to share just some of the vision. I don't even know if he intended to do it because it just kept coming out. Like it was like, we're going to do this and then we're going to do this and then we're going to do... and. And my pulse rate just started to increase, and I started to get excited. I was shouting amen at him and getting, getting animated because there is nothing better than being in a church that is alive today with vision for what is yet to come. The Bible says that where there is no vision, people perish. But when there is vision, that's when lives come alive, when people are blessed, when the church flourishes and grows, and you are in a vision-filled, vibrant, and healthy church. I don't know about you, but I thank God that there are great churches like this one. I think you're blessed to be in a church, Church Unlimited, led by Pastor James and Pastor Paula two of the finest leaders in Australia and Christendom. If you love them, could you put your hands together and tell them how much you value and appreciate this man and woman of God? We love you guys. You're absolutely fantastic. And uh, it really is a blessing to be here. Uh, For those of you who don't know me, I'm married to only one woman. I think we can agree that's good. Uh, Even better, she's been the same one throughout. And she is a woman. Um, we're getting, we're getting more boxes we have to tick as the years go by. Uh, my wife, Jillian, is the love of my life, the only one I desire, the only one I want, the only one that I can afford. Um, that's true. But I, I, have, I have two children. My daughter, Lara, is 19 years old. She is absolutely stunningly beautiful. I call her Princess, Princess Talutabel Pixie. She literally has me around her little finger and has done since the day she was born. She asks for it, and I buy it. My son asks for things, and I say no. That's how it rolls. And if you don't like it, join another family, okay? Um, my son, Will, is 16 years old. He's still in school. He's six foot two. When I cuddle him to say goodnight, my head goes against his chest now, which is kind of embarrassing, doesn't feel quite right. And then he goes, I love you, Dad. You're very short. And then he goes to bed. Um, he is a, an absolutely stunning young man, and I, I love him. If you have a Bible today, we're going to go to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 23. Jeremiah, chapter 23. And I, I want to give you a message on Pentecost Sunday. They say there are many sermons, but only a few messages. And this, for me, is not a sermon. It's a message. It's a life theme for me in this season. What I feel like God is saying to His people and to me and my life in this moment in time Uh, And on Pentecost Sunday, this message feels entirely right 
for the significance of this hour as we remember that 120 people gathered in an upper room in Jerusalem feeling defeated, deflated, like they had no tomorrow. And the Holy Spirit fell and broke out upon them. And as a result, the early church was birthed and has continued to change the world from that day until this, exceeding the birth rate all through every page of human history to the point where now one in three people on the face of this planet is a believer in Jesus Christ. This is a very significant day, and I'm praying that your hearts and my heart will be open for all that the Lord... Suddenly I got brighter. Did anybody else notice that? I can't see you anymore, but you're all very good looking. I know that already. So Jeremiah chapter 23, we're going to start reading in verse 21. Before I read this, I want to let you know that there are only three words in our reading that are not coming directly from the mouth of God. And that is at the bottom where it says, says the Lord. Jeremiah is prophesying the word of the Lord written in Holy Scripture. With that in mind, let's start reading. I have not sent these prophets. This is God speaking. Yet they run around claiming to speak for me. I have given them no message, yet they go on prophesying. If they had stood before me and listened to me. They would have spoken my words and would have turned my people from their evil ways and deeds. Am I a God who is only close at hand, says the Lord? No, I am far away at the same time. We have three verses. And in the first, God makes an observation. In the second, He extends an offering. And in the third, He introduces an understanding. An observation, an offering, an offer, and an understanding. Let's read it one more time. I have not sent these prophets, yet they run around claiming to speak for me. I love this next sentence. <laughs> I have given them no message, yet they go on prophesying. Turns out a preacher doesn't need unction to have a mouthful of words. If they had stood before me and listened to me, they would have spoken my words and they would have turned my people from their evil ways and deeds. Here's our key scripture for today. Am I a God? who is only close at hand, only close at hand, says the Lord. I love this next sentence. No, I am far away at the same time. I am far away at the same time. Our God said of Himself, I am the far away God, the far away God. Let's pray. Lord, in these next few minutes, open our hearts to hear. I pray you'd open our spirit to receive, open our mind to understand. Breathe on the service. Be with us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Before the pandemic in 2019, I did a series of one-day conferences in the nation of Japan. I love Japan. I love the people. I love the food. I love the fashion. I love the culture. I love the abundance of power lines that just seem to scatter the sky everywhere you turn. It is an inspirational nation. I love it. We did a series, we did a conference one day in another city. Second day, we're in the city of Osaka. And then on the third morning, I woke early, got on the bullet train, and made my way from Osaka to Tokyo. The conference started, it was a large conference for Japan. About, uh, about 700 people were present in the conference, and I was speaking in the second session. My friend Kirby was translating for me. We've been doing three of these days together. We are rolling. We've got it down. I'm preaching in English. He's translating into Japanese. God loves you. You know, you know, we're flowing together. It's rolling. And honestly, I'm looking out towards the back of the auditorium, and my perception of my ministry that day 
was, John, you are crushing this. I was thinking to myself, I'm nailing it. I'm doing great. I'm lo- I'm, I love this message right now. I was giving myself at least a solid 8.5 or 9 out of 10. That's my perception of me. But as I was preaching the message, my eyes went from the back of the auditorium, where as a preacher you tend to look, towards the volume of people in the front half of the auditorium. And as my eyes found their way towards the front, I noticed that rather than doing what you're doing today, which is kindly making eye contact with me, the people in the auditorium were looking at the wall, at the ceiling, at their phone, at the person next to them, at the aisle in between where they were, where they were sitting. Everybody was looking everywhere but at me. I was bewildered, perplexed, confounded. My eyes came all the way down until finally I arrived at the front row where every hand on the front row was pointing in the same direction. I followed the hands, I followed the hands until finally over here in the front corner of the front row, someone was holding an iPad upon which was written, Pastor John's fly is completely down. Well, I think the first thing we can establish is that the word completely wasn't needed in that sentence. But here I am in one of the most civilized nations on the face of this planet attempting to give glory to the one true God. And I am revealing a glory of a completely different nature. And my perception of me And their perception of me, well, let's just agree, it could not have been more different. In our reading today, we've got God giving us His perception of the prophets. And we quickly realize that God's perception of the prophets and the prophets' perception of themselves, well, it just could not be more different. The prophets, the Bible says, God says about them, that they are running around all over the place claiming to speak for me. These prophets are people with full calendars, busy itineraries. When they get together at their little prophet conferences, they're saying to each other, I've just been here. I'm on my way over here. I've got got an engagement that I'm speaking in this place. Then I've got a conference. Then I've got a podcast. Got a book deal coming up. Got a presbytery over here. Oh man, I'm so jammed, so busy. They're running around all over the place. Their perception is that God is using them, that they have favor on their lives. They're, they're getting together and celebrating how, 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 how talented they are and how wonderfully things are going. They're, they're singing to themselves, I'm too Christian for my church. They, they want to sing in front of the congregation and say, I can be your hero baby. Their perception of themselves is that they're booked up, God is using them, things are going great. We are busy. This is a good day. But now we get God's perception of them. They're running around all over the place, he said, claiming to speak for me. But I gave them no message. They had nothing to say, yet they kept on going, not realizing that the activity might look good, but it is completely ineffective. God is literally saying about these prophets, You have a full calendar and you have zero unction. You are an empty oracle. You are a prophet without a voice. You are like a leader without a mandate. A believer in Jesus who has no living word from God in their heart. God is literally saying about these prophets that they are a hollow veneer. That they are just running around. That they have replaced effectiveness with busyness. They're faking it, but they are not making it. They may be talented, but they are not anointed. They have high action and little impact. Religious activity and no revival. No cut through. And friends, when I read this passage of Scripture recently, something just arrested my heart as I realized that God was saying that these prophets are going through the semblance of religion, the activity of our faith, and yet they're achieving fat zero. Nothing is happening as a result of all the activity that they are engaged in. 
And friends, can we just agree in the year 2023 that the last thing we need is more hyped up Christian activity that feels good in here but makes no difference in the world out there. Come on, friends. What we need in the year 2023 is a church that is alive with revival power. We need believers in Jesus who are living testimonies. We need lives that are resounding with the goodness of God. We don't need cute Christianity. We don't need more meetings where we hold hands and sing Kumbaya until our palms get sticky. We need our communities to be transformed. We need, we need addictions to be broken, suicide to reduce, marriages to be healed. We need lives to be set free. Come on, if you believe it, can you give me a big amen out there? I think if the devil could reduce our faith down to just what happens in here, but it's just full of activity and devoid of power, I think he'd leave us to it. But what God wants is a church who have heard his voice alive with his presence, who make a difference in the world that is around them. God makes an observation. They are running around all over the place claiming to speak for me. But I gave them no message, and yet they went on prophesying. Now, God extends an offer. He says, if they, then they. If they, then they. If they would stand in my presence. Oh, I don't know about you, but aren't you grateful that even though God is looking at these prophets who are busy and faking religious devotion, yet without any real significance or heart connection, He doesn't then just say to them, well, you guys are now banished and I'm never gonna have anything to do with you ever again. But God actually says, if you would just come and stand before me, aren't you grateful that no matter who you are, how far off you feel from God, how distant you might be, how broken your life might be, how fallible or sinful you may even feel, that God says, I welcome you to come close to me. That God offers us intimacy. He offers us relationship. Come on, the first service were a little more louder than you guys. You've had coffee and breakfast. God says, you can come close to me. He says, I welcome you. If you would just stand before me, then you would hear my words. God does not desire a prophet without unction, a Christian without a living relationship. He wants His people alive with a faith promise in their heart. God welcomes the wayward to return, the prophet to rediscover their anointing. He says, you can all, we can all come and stand before Him. Aren't you grateful for that? Then He says, oh, this inspirational words. He says, if they, then they. If they would stand before me, then they would proclaim my words and they would turn my people. God is saying, you don't have to exhaust yourself with an empty religion that then you're trying to live your life without my divine power. He's saying, you can get my word into your situation and God awakens us to the possibility that with the word of the Lord, things can and they will be different in Jesus' mighty name. He says, if you would speak my words and you would turn my people. Does anybody still believe that the Word of God has power to heal bodies, transform circumstances, break the power of the devil? If you believe that, give me a hearty amen. Yeah, in fact, put your hands together and give your God some praise. That is what our God can do. Amen. Good preaching, John. Yes, I believe that. He makes an observation. He extends an offering. And now our key thing, he introduces an understanding in the form of a question. A question. A question. I've followed God for many years, and it's become my experience that so often I come to him thinking that he is the God with all the right answers. And then I learn of him that he is the God with all the right questions. Who told you that you were naked? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Do you want to be made well? 
when he finds a man beside a well who's been there for, I think, 37 years, he says to him, do you want to be made well? Are you ready for your life to be given back to you? Are you ready to be in charge of how you will eat tomorrow? Do you want to be made well? Questions. Questions. Here, God introduces for us a life-changing understanding in the form of a question. Am I a God who is only, only close at hand? Is that the sum total of what may be known of me? Is that everything that you can discover of me? Is that me in a nutshell? Am I only close at hand? They're running around all over the place claiming to speak for me. Am I a God who is only close at hand? Then he answers his own question. No, I am far away. Far away at the same time. I have some friends who are going to help me preach this. Can you give them a big welcome? Some of Church Unlimited's finest men and women. Give them a big clap as they take this platform today. As they take the platform, give me your attention, please. I promise you my fly is up. Has anybody else noticed, like me, that the world in which we live has become different very, very quickly? I don't know if you're old enough to remember a time when you lived your life and everything else that was outside of your life was at a distance, but now we live in a new world, a relatively new world, a world that is connected online, a world of multitasking, a world of constant interruption, a world of busyness and a world of pressure, a world where so many things that are in our world are now close at hand to us. I mean, when I started work many, many years ago, I went to the office in order to do my work, and then I would leave and I would come home. But now, if you have a job, the thing about your job is that you might wake up first thing in the morning at 5 a.m., but your supervisor was stressed out at 3 o'clock in the morning and sent you three emails with different tasks that were triggering them in the middle of the night. So now it's 5 a.m., and your intention was to get a coffee, read your Bible, maybe even squeeze a workout in before you made your way to the office. But now, instead of a moment of tranquility, the job that was over there is suddenly right here in my bedroom, present and triggering me at 5 a.m. in the morning. My job is close at hand. And it used to be that I lived my life. I'm a teenager. I was a teenager, I should say. Before the age of social media, I lived my life I knew what was happening for me and the five friends that I had, and I was happy. But now we live our lives in our current reality, and at the same time, no talking please, at the same time, I'm intimately aware of what's happening in the lives of people that are out there doing all kinds of different activities, the people I like at my school, the people I don't, the people I care about, and the people that I despise, everything about their life reaches into my here and now and interrupts the way that I'm feeling about me. The events, the people, the circumstances of others are no longer out there. They're right here. They're close at hand. They're close at hand. And it used to be that I was aware of what was happening in my present reality. Like, I knew what was happening in my community, maybe in my nation once a day. We might get 30 minutes of news. But now we have multiple news channels, four of them, I think, in Australia, constantly pumping the latest thing that is happening. So if there is a famine, a storm, if there, is, if there is a flood, if there is a fire, if there is an earthquake, if there is a war or a rumor of a war or a change of government or a salacious piece of gossip, it is pumped at you through, through your smartphone, through your web browser, through televisions in your cafe, in the airport lounge, wherever you go, whatever is the most tragic, the most, the most, uh, adrenaline-inducing events of all of the globe are pumped to you to get you to stare at the screen that is there to sell you a piece of advertising, the worst of everything that is happening in the world. 
is close at hand. And now we, now we live in a world too where it used to be, anybody here old enough to remember when Friends was at 7.30 p.m. on a Wednesday night? And now you can sit down with your Netflix and you could literally, if you chose to, you could watch every series of the show in your lazy boy chair with a puddle of popcorn until you slept into a coma, slipped into a coma, watching all of the series because everything, all of the amusement of the world is close at hand. And everything is constant and it's always there and it's a struggle to stay focused. And sometimes too, I finish my job Sitting in my, 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 my carport, I've, I've been making three phone calls on my way to the house. While I'm finishing the phone call, I hang up with the car idling. I turn off the vehicle. I walk into the house and there is a dinner with my family and my friends. And I have to go from the stress and the hostility of my job that I left a moment ago and try to be a beautiful, peaceful, calm person in my family setting, even though I've just been stressed out. It's all just close at hand. And as a result of living this kind of life, the truth is we are, as a generation, stressed out, distracted, anxious, triggered, overwhelmed, medicated, coping, looking for all kinds of things to try and get us through the stress that we feel, we're not doing well as a generation. The report card is in and it's not good. But if there's one thing I'm grateful for in the middle of this world of 24-7 pressure, I'm grateful that the God that I worship is close at hand. I don't know about you, but when I wake up in the morning and I've got work emails already triggering me, I'm grateful that God doesn't just say, John, you're in it alone. But He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And if I chose to invite His presence, that He would be there for me to calm the storm and to be present with me, my God is close at hand. When my children are sick, He's close at hand. When there's sickness in your body, He's close at hand. When you're feeling self-loathing because of other people's airbrush projections on social media. God is there to fill your heart with love and acceptance. He is close at hand. If you're grateful for your close at hand, God, could you just put your hands together and just praise Him? He's close at hand. He's close at hand. He's there for me in every port. He's there for me in every storm. He's there for me in the difficulty. He's there for me no matter what life throws at me. The God that we worship is close at hand. If all I have is the steps from my car to the front door to pray a quick prayer and say, Jesus, help me to be the husband and the father that I desire to be. My God is there and He will answer the prayers of any of His people who call upon Him any moment of the day or night. Our God is close at hand. He's close at hand. He's close at hand. In our passage of Scripture, we read of these prophets who in many ways resemble the way we live our lives, running around all over the place. It's easy to live your life in our time and not even remember the last moment that you were ever truly alone. When was the last time there were no screens, no connections? No separation, no isolation, no moment for things to settle, no moment without anxiety, no moment of tranquility. Am I a God, he said to these prophets, who is only close at hand? What God is trying to introduce for these prophets to understand and what God is trying to introduce for you and I to understand is that whilst He is always there for us, whilst He's always moving in the midst of everything that we are facing, if all we do is interact for Him in the distraction of the day by day, that something is omitted, something's lost, that unless we get it, we will be a people who are sustained in the pressure of what we're facing, but never truly victorious over it. 
that if we don't learn how to navigate what we are facing, then we could simply get through this life, but never truly be triumphant over it. He says, am I a God who is only close at hand? Because in the day by day of our interactions with Him, there are some things that we can learn of Him. But there are many things of God that we won't find when we're connecting with Him in a permanently distracted state. Is there anybody out there like me who would just be honest enough to admit that sometimes you've sat down to read your Bible on your smartphone for your morning devotions or your evening devotions, and as you did so, you got three text messages from friends, a 30% off online-only sale from your favorite application popped up on your screen, and you've only made it through five verses before you got three text messages and one pop-up. Shoot up a hand if you're an honest Christian. Yeah, thank you. A lot of life out there, but I appreciate the honest ones. God is literally saying, if you live your life where this is all you ever experience of me, then there will be some things that are lost because in the day by day of your relationship with me, you can receive a lot. God is always there, but there are some parts of God that cannot be received. Parts of Him that we will never know or experience if we only connect with Him in a stimulated and distracted state, sometimes we have to push back. I need you all to take a step back. We have to push back on everything in our lives that is close at hand, and we have to reach for the God who is far away. The God who is far away. Not the God who can be found in a distracted state. Not the God who can be connected with in a, in a deluded, focused way, but the kind of God that we find when we put our phone on, on flight mode, when we, when we enter the church service with both hands ready to be lifted, the, the God who calls to us at the moment when the last child is being placed in bed and we feel that little flutter of the Holy Spirit that says, don't pick up the remote. Just leave it down. Sit in the chair. Put on a worship song. Let me speak to you. Linger with me for a while. Let a word from me come and occupy your heart. The faraway God is the one who comes to us in moments of focus, of separation, of, of, of devotion. When we give Him our all, when we reach for Him, the faraway God is the one who comes to our life and He brings vision and promises and commissioning. The faraway God is the one who awakens our lives to a transcendent reality so real and so, so, so occupying, so, so heart pulling that we never deny His reality again. The faraway God is the one that marks the course of our lives and separates us from a direction we were going and makes us, makes us servants forever to a higher call that cannot be ignored. There is a reason why most people who go to Bible college make the decision to do so during a conference where they've been in the presence of God because they're not in a distracted state of just 30 minutes on a Sunday, but now they're in days in the presence of God as meeting goes to meeting and glory goes to glory and promises and fire become so real that our lives are never the same again. That's the faraway God. It's the faraway God who meets with a teenager at a youth camp. It's a faraway God who comes to us in night seasons of prayer. It's the faraway God that marks our lives and leaves us never the same again as we are filled with the knowledge that we're alive for a purpose, that God is truly real, that I can't ever live a debased or ordinary life again, but I'm alive for a higher purpose. It's the faraway God who leaves you undeniably knowing that God is so much greater than the natural world in which we live. It's the faraway God who fills you with vision. It's the faraway God who gives parents visions and promises for their children that transcend their sick or backslidden state and keeps you going until that child is walking in the fulfillment of that promise and vision. It's the faraway God that gives a pastor a vision that allows them to start or to, to take over a church in a small and fledgling state and birth it into something that transforms a city. 
It's the faraway God who gives a business leader a promise that one day he could flourish in such a way that employees' lives will be blessed and the church will be established through his testimony. It's the faraway God. It's the faraway God that calls our lives above the ordinary. It's the faraway God we need in our generation, friends. It's the faraway God who's going to lift us beyond the muck and the mire. And allow us to transform our world. We're here on Pentecost Sunday. We're 120 believers. We're gathered in a locked room, afraid of those outside the door. And then glory and fire fell in that upper room as the faraway God filled them with fire. And Peter stood outside that room and 3,000 souls got saved. That's what happens when the church comes alive with the faraway God. I got saved when I was 18 years old. When I was 19 years old, I went to a conference. I sat two-thirds of the way back. There were maybe 500 people there. I felt a wind come and wash across my body. I looked up and noticed all the curtains were stationary. It was the middle of winter, August, and not a single window was open. It was cold outside, yet a wind touched my life, and I knew God had arrived in that hall. And in the next half an hour, my life was forever changed. I left that hall, went to a prayer meeting that started at 10 p.m. It finished at 2 a.m. I thought we'd been praying for 30 minutes when the person announced it was time to finish. I looked at my watch and discovered it wasn't 30 minutes. It was four hours. But a day with the Lord is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day. Three months later, I started doing this. I've been doing it for 30 years. Why? Because when you're in the presence of the faraway God, your life is forever changed. What we need in our generation is not just the close at hand God. We need the faraway God. Gather around me, friends. See, here's my concern. My concern is that because we now live in this world where everything is so close, that perhaps we are in danger as a generation of losing, that there is a very real part of our Lord that you cannot connect with if you are distracted all of the time. How many people have cleared emails while I've been preaching this message? I'm not here to heap blame on you. I'm just here to say you'll only get that much from the Lord if that's all you ever give Him. And I'm afraid that we're living in a generation where close at hand is beginning to distort us. I mean, listen to the songs that we sing. Has anybody else like me noticed that an overwhelming majority of songs being written by Christian authors seem to be songs of worship that are oriented towards the person. God loves me. He cares for me. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's going to provide for me. Me, 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 me. He loves me. Listen, we need to sing the truth of who our God is. If you've got a song in your heart that's about the victory of Jesus, write it. But let me tell you, if that's the only song of our hearts, it's because all we know is the close at hand God. The angels, the seraphim, do not circle the throne of heaven singing, God loves me. It's true, but that's not what they've been proclaiming. For millennium of human history, they've been circling the throne of heaven, never tiring of their refrain as they have been singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty and the whole earth is full of His glory. They're not singing of the close at hand God. They're singing of the far away God. Yes, He's close at hand, but He's far away at the same time. See, the thing about it, friends, is that the close at hand God is going to sustain me. When my child is sick, when I'm overwhelmed, when I'm exhausted, when I'm stressed, when I'm self-loathing, when I don't know how I'm going to make it, I can pray and He's there and He cares. He's the close at hand God. The close at hand God might sustain you, but the far away God is going to commission you. The close at hand God's going to give you the strength you need for today. But the far away God's going to give you the promise for tomorrow. And that's why every believer in their lives needs to separate moments, seasons, hours. When we don't just live in this world of the close at hand, but we separate ourselves. We push back on it all. And we reach for the far away God. For the faraway God. If you stood in my presence and heard my words, then you would speak to my people and you would turn them from their evil ways and deeds. A different outcome is possible. Our world can be changed. Revival can come. But we need the faraway God. 
when Jesus came down the Mount of Transfiguration. Nine of his disciples are trying to drive a demon out of a boy. It's always very embarrassing when you are a disciple of Jesus and a demon seems to have greater authority than you. Can we agree that's awkward? There are certain levels of the demonic that certain levels of encounter cannot break. I say that because the disciples said to Jesus, how come we could not drive the demon out? And Jesus said, this kind only comes out, but by prayer and by fasting. The close at hand God won't help you with this one. You need the faraway God. You need the faraway God. You need the faraway God. When my son Will was three and, three and a half years old, he developed an autoimmune disease. I was driving down the street in Melbourne, and I got a phone call telling me that he had this autoimmune disease. I hung up the phone, said to the guy driving me, have you ever heard of this autoimmune disease? He said, heard of it, I had it. I had it when I was eight. When I was 10, I had things on my leg. I had to learn how to walk again at the age of 10. I nearly died, but they got me through it, and then I had to learn how to walk again. And my son was three and a half when I heard he had it. I went to a hotel room. I couldn't sleep. So I spent that night praying. It was the close at hand God that I felt his presence close to me when I was confused. But at 3.30 that morning, God showed me, my son, that he was a head taller than his friends, that he had blonde hair, and that he was standing next to a beach. He's now 16 years old, a head taller than all of his friends, blonde, long blonde surfy hair, and living near the beach. I text my wife and I said, don't you worry, our son's going to be just fine. And that morning when I flew home to New Zealand, by the time I landed at one in the afternoon, they'd already released him from hospital. And three months later, they told me that's the mildest case of that autoimmune disease we've ever seen. They said, you've been very lucky. I said, I haven't been lucky. He's been healed. What we need to change our generation is the faraway God. The faraway God. On this Pentecost Sunday, you guys can go. Thank you. Can we give him a big clap? The band can come and join me. Church Unlimited. On this Pentecost Sunday, can I call you higher that what we need in our generation is the faraway God? The faraway, the faraway God waits for those who will tarry to wait with expectation for those who will give him all of their attention for those who will put down their cell phone during worship for those who will leave their phone in their car when they come to a church service for those who will take an hour out of their week just to sit in a chair with a worship music playing and to wait to hear what He will say. It's the faraway God that Moses knew he needed when he pitched the tent outside the camp. It's the faraway God that Elijah had to climb the mountain to meet. It's the faraway God Habakkuk stood on the ramparts to see in Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 1. It's the faraway God that the disciples waited for in the upper room. It's the faraway God who visits us and our lives are never the same again. We need the faraway God. Stand your feet all over this room today, church. Close your eyes wherever you are. If you're hungry for God, take your hands, lift them high towards heaven. Jesus, Jesus, you're the faraway God. Come Holy Spirit, come fall in this room. Come with your life, come with your power, come with your reality. The faraway God's falling in the service right now, touching lives, filling people, 
He's here for you. He's here for you. Oh my Lord, there's people whose hearts are being awakened right now. Awakened to Him. Awakened to His glory. Awakened to His presence. God's got promises. There are parents here. I literally felt that laboring of that today. There are parents here right now and God's given you a promise for your children. He's going he's to give it to you. If you'll linger in His presence, He's going to give you His Word. Tonight, today, this week, He's going to give you His Word. Oh, there are people here right now and something's being awakened in your soul that you'll never settle for a life of ordinary, that you'll reach for Him. Your world changes, loved and called. There are young men. Oh man, I feel this so strong. There are at least five young men in this service and God is putting His hand on your life to seek Him because He is going to use you in His ministry to do great things on this, in this world. You're going to be used greatly by God. And that, that, that desire to seek His face is being awakened within you right here, right now. Come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, come full right now, come be present. Oh Jesus, oh Jesus, oh Jesus, oh Jesus, we need you, we love you, we love you. Just keep your eyes closed for one second all over this room. There are many people that have come to the service today and right now you're not in right relationship with Jesus. You're not walking with God, you're not a Christian. Maybe you're here in the service today and you'd be bold enough to say, John, I've come to church today, but I'm not connected with Jesus. I'm not a Christian. Maybe you've been a church person, but right now Jesus is not at the center of your life. Or perhaps you've got no idea whether you're a Christian or not. If that's you, my friend, I want you to know firstly that God loves you. He cares about you. And you're in this room because heaven is calling you. Over your life right now, you can feel this pull in your heart like I need to get my life in right relationship with Jesus. That's the love of God calling to you. In just a moment, we're gonna pray a prayer. And if you'd pray this prayer with me, today could be the day where you discover what it is to know Jesus personally. This could be your day where you start your own journey of a relationship with God. I'm gonna lead us in this prayer. But all over the room, there are people here saying, John, that's me. I need Jesus, I'm not right with God. You can be included in this prayer that we're about to pray. If that's you, my friend, I wanna know who I'm praying the prayer with. So I'm gonna ask you in just one moment, if that's you, to take one hand and to lift it high in the air. If you're here and you're saying, John, I'm not right with Jesus, I want you to lift your hand. I'm not a Christian, I want you to lift your hand. I've been a church person, but Jesus is not at the center of my life. I want you to lift your hand. Got no idea whether I'm a Christian or not. I want you to lift your hand. All over the room, we're about to pray this prayer, but if you're in any category I've just mentioned, take one hand and lift it high in the air right now. Lift it all the way up. Thank you, 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 thank you. Keep your hands lifted. Thank you. Wonderful. Praise God. So many all over the room. Everybody say this prayer out loud with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus. Dear Lord Jesus. I come to you. I come to you. I need you. I need you. In my life. In my life. I'm lost without you. I'm lost without you. I ask you, Jesus. I ask you, Jesus. Come into my life. Come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. Be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my sin. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. You love me. You accept me. That you accept me. You forgive me. That you forgive me. Amen and amen. 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 Can we have a massive clap for every person who just prayed that prayer? And let's welcome Pastor James. Come on. What an awesome word. What a challenge. What a challenge to get out of the hustle and the bustle and to draw unto the Lord. Isn't that what He invites us to do in James 4, 8, when He says, if you draw unto me, I'll draw unto you. I'm so grateful for God who is always around me. But I need to have those key moments, hey? I need to get disconnected from all the crazy. I've got so much crazy around me. There's, you don't know what's in here. Lots of things are in here. I need to disconnect from those things. It's not my phone. It's my own mind. God has so much more for each one of us. Amen. Come on, if you've been blessed by Pastor John this morning, would you put your hands together for him?
a couple things I need to let you know about. If you, if you raised your hand and prayed that prayer and said, Jesus, come into my life, want to know just that is the greatest decision you've ever, you've ever made in your whole life. I made that decision 23 years ago. And, uh, you know, Paula and I, uh, we've almost been married 20 years. And I remember on our wedding day, we came to a church and we said some words in a church and we had a wedding. But a, but a wedding is not a marriage. Okay, it's not a marriage. A marriage is every day that happens thereafter. I had to go home with her and then I had to wake up next to her. And we proceeded to do that for 20 years and it's been, it's been wonderful. Yeah, redeemed that. It was coming around. It was coming around. In the same way, you've come today to a church and you've said some words with God. And, and that's great. That, that's what it looks like to, to surrender your life and say, Jesus, I want you in my life. But now we have a responsibility to keep taking the next step. Take God home with you. Seek Him in the, in the, in the, in the, the God who's close and the God who's far. Start developing and cultivating a relationship. One of the simplest things you can do is just come back next week. Being in church is a great place to help nurture your relationship with God. Coming away with us next weekend to our Freedom Weekend is a great place where you can go to the next level with God. Going to men's camp. These things are not, we're not doing them for ourselves. We're doing them so that we can create space for people to have God moments and and, and so, you know, we don't want to be extra busy. We really do want to make sure that we're setting aside time for God. But if you did pray that prayer and you, and you raised your hand, we would love the opportunity to give you a Bible, connect with you, pray with you. And, and some of our team would have seen some of you. But if, if, if one of our team doesn't come to you with a Bible, we might have missed you. Make yourself known to one of our team with, the, with one of the lanyards on. We would love the opportunity to connect. Thanks for joining us. We pray that you and your family are richly blessed by the love and grace of Jesus. If you're ever in the area, we would love for you to join us for Sunday worship.